Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoor Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Brian Sin, joined by co-host Stephen Wisdom. What's going on, my friend? Man, just living it up one broken thing at a time. Having a great week, man, but I cannot keep from breaking stuff this week. Tearing stuff up. Tearing it up. Forklifts, mixers, augers, trucks, doors. You just come to my – you'll fit right in at my house, brother. You'll fit right – You we got our, we, we'll move you right on in there because that's what we do at my house. We tear stuff up. Oh, I didn't say I was tearing it up. But it's getting t- – It's getting tore up. I was saying the same. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm not exaggerating, and I'm going to say this, and I shouldn't even say it because I love my wife dearly, and you know this. Our son's car that he just got, that he's paid for himself because he's a worker. Boy works. Puts in a lot of hours. And he bought himself a, a car like literally two weeks ago that he's extremely proud of. My wife asked him last week or this weekend, she's like, hey, Cal, I'm fixing to back out the garage. Let me have your keys and I'll move your car out of the way because he was parked behind her. So she backs his car up and moves it where she wouldn't hit it, got in her car within five to six seconds and back straight into the car she just moved back there yeah it's a beautiful thing beautiful thing that's my world man that's what we do wow that's where i live so let's don't talk about that let's t- let's talk about some- hopefully your wife doesn't listen to the podcast no no we're not gonna let her <laughs> we're not gonna let her well Ain't i'm no excited to go there. Hey, we're gonna step away for a minute and talk a little fishing so uh who we got on today let's man? what's the line let's up? go up to north alabama hmm. and get nathan martin nathan what's going on buddy you with us i'm here how are y'all doing Man, we are doing good. Thank you for joining us today, brother. It's, I know it's as beautiful and up there in North Alabama as it is here in Birmingham. We are in a great time of year. Yeah, we're in that weird fall transition where, you know, there's still maybe a couple of schools out deep, but most of them are making that push, following those bait fish up shallow, getting in those grass and in those pockets. So it's a weird time. You can be on them one day and off of them the next. But if you land on them, it can be a really fun time to be out on the water. So where where have you been fishing? Uh, mostly Pickwick and Wilson. Spent one day on on uh, Gunnersville, but mostly Pickwick and Wilson. Now, do they uh, do they move a lot of water this time of year, or or, or the currents pretty dismal? It all depends on the weather and the rain and how much how much water we get north of here so as long as we uh, keep getting some good rain and stuff up north of you know the tennessee river chain north of pickwick and wilson and they'll keep sending it down now it's been good the last couple weeks is the current still just as important on the tennessee river in the fall uh, as it is say late spring and summer or is it because they're move up shallow it's really more of a, a you know a a vegetation or you know a, you know a wood or, or more of a targeted approach or is the current is is it important in the fall no the the current is 110 percent important every time you're on tennessee river it just it either spreads the fish out or it positions them to you know be caught so it doesn't really matter if they're deep or shallow those fish are going to set up on ambush points and places where they can hide and get out and snatch up their whatever they're feeding on as it as the current brings it by so if the current's not bringing it by then the bait fish just can kind of float around out nowhere and uh, it makes it more of like a highland reservoir type fishery where those fish can 
not be as you know on those target areas you know what i mean like for smith lake for instance and it's way worse on smith lake because you know those heron have gotten introduced there and those baits just act totally different than the Tennessee River where they can get out there and suspend and swim around in 40 to 100 feet of water. Tennessee River, there's the current. So those fish, for one, there's not a thermocline on Tennessee River because of the current. So those bait fish can live in any part of the lake. It doesn't really matter what depth range that there's oxygen on the whole in every depth range of the river. Uh, but it also positions those fish when that current's coming down, always try and explain it to people like a lion feeding on wildebeest or whatever they're eating. You know, if, if you ever watch National Geographic, there's always some type of trail that those animals run down and those lions or tigers, whatever. Those predators will sit behind something where they can hide and jump out and get, get their food. And it's the same way with these fish in the current. They'll be hiding behind a rock or a stump or whatever it may be, a grass line. Those schools officials set up on those points where they can hide, not move very far and get their get their food and then get right back to where they was they were hiding. So now the current is hundred and ten percent always important on the Tennessee River. It positions them, it makes them where you can pretty much, you know, kind of tell where they're going to be before you make a cast. It, you know, if you spend enough time, you can figure out where those current eddies are. You know, even if there's 80,000 cubic feet of water coming through that dam, those fish can sit behind those rocks and there's no current behind it. You'd be surprised at the fish that spawn out in the current uh, because those eddies are so big underwater there's virtually no current there and those fish will get behind and sit in those current eddies bait fish will be coming down to them by the current and they gotta swim three feet and get their bait and go right back behind the rock and sit and chill out and hang out so that's you know, a good analogy i like always, that current always plays a huge deal in the tennessee river even in the back little backwater ponds where you don't even really see the current it's still it still affects those fish. You know, you said something. I'm going to show my ignorance right here about the thermocline. I, I never thought about there not being a, a thermocline uh, on the Tennessee River. Is it? Is that because of the – and you said you, you touched on it, but did you say that was because of the current? Yeah, personally, I've never seen a thermocline on the Tennessee River. I, I'm not saying that there hasn't ever been one, but I, I've never seen one on my graph, and I think it's totally because of just the – there's always, you know, a current flow and always a jet oxygen supply coming out of that dam. That's why every dam in the country is going to hold fish because there's good oxygen coming out of that dam where that, I mean, it's just like you having a fish tank, you know, you, you push water in it and bubbles and all that is it's putting oxygen in your fish tank is doing the same thing in the Tennessee river. So you don't have that thermocline like you do on those Highland reservoirs like Smith Lake and things like that. Hmm. Never know. So with, with it in, in the middle of the transition with the seasons and, you know, sometimes we get a lot of weather this time of year, sometimes we don't, you know, how's your approach right now? How are you, how are you attacking these fish that, that you are finding? Well, there's two ways. You can either key in on fish that are feeding on crawfish. That's probably the easiest way because the bait fish is so small in the fall that it's very hard to imitate that size bait. So it's hard to catch them on, you know, swim baits and things like that this time of year, unless they are feeding on some bigger, bigger, you know, bait. But a lot of times they get keyed in on that, that little bitty, those brand new yellowtails. So I like to do either one or two things. I like to either find some fish that are feeding on crawfish where I can throw, you know, little jigs and things like that. Or 
I try and find fish that are, you know, very active and schooling, and uh, you can visually see them. Those fish you can usually entice to bite a swim bait or a top water bait. Here recently, ducket fishing, they they sent me some swim baits. It's called a subtle tail. The bait has very little action except for just in the tail. Different times of year, I like to throw different swim baits, but this time of year, they don't want a swim bait that's got a lot of action, a lot of thump to it. They want just something real subtle because those, those bait fish are so small that and the fish aren't as active. It's not like the springtime where you want to throw something that's got a lot of thump and really affects those vertical lines and those fish. But So I've been throwing the subtle tail from Ducket. It's not even out yet. It, I think it's supposed to hit Tackle Warehouse like this week. But uh, it's really, I've really been able to catch them on that thing when I couldn't catch them on things like a Chi-Tech or some other swim baits. It's just super subtle, but they're eating it up. Like we had we had close to 20 pounds yesterday on Wilson and had a lot of people message me like, man, I only had two bites yesterday and we was catching them pretty good. So I think that little swim bait is going to be a, a game changer. It's so subtle. It runs really, really true. I don't usually like to let my swim bait secrets out <laughs> until I've already used them for a couple of years, but that bait is definitely going to win some tournaments. Man, that's awesome. Uh, now, I guess – you can go all over the board with swim baits and, you know, line diameter and natural versus bright, you know, what, what's kind of, how do you approach your overall setup throwing? Cause you say you want to throw this very little motion, a uh, little action swim bait in, in these cooler months, but does that change your overall setup with your rod and reel, with your line or how, how does that change the game with that different type of swim bait you're, you're describing there from Duckett? Well, in the BFL, I called them all sure. And I actually threw it on 10-pound line on a spinning rod because th- those fish were so pressured. You know, they've been thrown at all year long. And so it's really hard to, to, to trick those fish because they've been out there for five months and they've seen every bait known to man. But I was able to catch some key fish in that BFL. I, I had it on a 7.3 medium-heavy spinning rod. I had 10-pound uh, braid to a 10-pound fluorocarbon leader with a half-ounce swim bait head. And I'd throw it, on, throw it out there, let it sink to the bottom. And you could work it two, one or two ways. You can either just slow roll it or you can hop it almost like a jig. But I was, uh, I was, uh, I was just slow rolling it. And those fish, I guess just the super finessey swim bait, it triggered some bites that, you know, some other guys said they'd hit the same school that I caught my fish out of. And they was like, man, I never could get them to bite. You, you, you got to trick them. You know, it's not like May when... They first get out there and they bite everything that comes by them. You gotta, you gotta really fish for them. I threw everything in the sun at them. I threw a jig, a drop shot, a tiny little spoon, crankbait, Alabama rig, you name it. I threw it at them and then I tied on that little subtle tail and first cast, I started catching them. So that that really proved to me like how how good that little swim bait is. But, Absolutely, that's amazing. So tell, let's let's shift gear a little bit and we all know that. If it's not there, it's coming, and it's infamous. Infamous. How do you say that word? Inf- no, I was good enough, man. Let's yeah, just go with that's it. That's good. <laughs> Is the small bite, the live bait, small mouth bite mm. turned on? I haven't done any small bait, any live bait trips. I actually have a trip tomorrow that is a live bait trip. I mean, it's time. It, it should have already been time. They should have been biting. So everything's a little bit behind, which is kind of surprising to me this year. We seem to have had kind of a mild winter, so I figured everything would be more ahead. But 
it, that's not the case. Everything is behind. Some of my spots where I should be catching 20 pounds, they just haven't showed up yet. And that doesn't mean that they show up overnight. When they when it happens, you know, we've had two nights where it's been pretty cold, and the night's going to get down to 40. So Changing quick. I mean, tomorrow we might go out and catch 25 pounds all brown. <laughs> that's the plan. But I've seen some people posting pictures. We caught, we caught a couple of good smallmouth yesterday on artificial, but... Yeah, it's just a matter of time before that live bait is just really lights out. And that's the live baiters really shine this time of year because, like I said, the, the bait is so small, it's hard to imitate, imitate that those bait fish when they're that little. Mm. There's very few baits out there that are that small and will hold their action and can trigger bites this time of year. That's why I like to go and kind of well, try and I, catch those fish that are on crawfish because those are, you know, you little small jig you can you can imitate a crawfish pretty easily and why i mean i hear you know live bait for small mouth is getting that time of year why is it why is that good just this time of year why is it not good all year i I really can't answer that you know in the spring i'll outfish a live bait fisherman five to one and i think it's just because i can i can i know exactly where they're sitting and i know exactly what they want to eat and the bait's bigger they're they're a lot more active and a lot more aggressive in the springtime and i can make more cast into that school of fish versus mm-hmm. floating bomb catching one and go back up you know what i mean that makes sense in the in the fall like i said the bait is so small it, it's hard to imitate it so those live bait guys really shine this time of year i really don't know why <laughs> course i'm yeah. sure if you took live bait out on those big schools out offshore which i've never done but i've always said i was going to do it but i'm sure you would just absolutely light them up even in the summer but they'll be large mouth not small mouth right the, the small mouth i really i really it's a mystery i guess it's it's mostly just a mystery because we don't i don't target them you know if you're going after a small mouth in may you're probably gonna get your lights you know turned off because somebody's going drop 25 to 30 on you all largemouth so i I think it's mostly just everybody kind of neglects the smallmouth they've got to they've got to be eaten somewhere it's just you're not going to win that way you're going if you have a great day you catch 20 pounds best five in the summer and you need most of the time unless it's august you need 22 to 25 on tennessee river so i think it's mostly just people kind of neglect them and and not target think about other things right makes sense well that's good stuff man it sounds like you're catching fish though that's the that's a good thing yeah we caught we caught several yesterday it's it's been really tough i mean the first day of the bfl i probably caught 20 keepers in the second day of the bfl i caught one so like i said it's it's fall transition. The fish are on the move. They're not where they're going to be tomorrow. So you really got to cover a lot of water and hope you land on that school. And once you land on them, and especially in the grass, you know, they're just going to follow those bait fish. So they're more like spotted heron feeders this time of year. Wherever that bait fish goes, wherever that wind pushes that bait fish, that's where those fish are going to go. So you might catch 25 pounds and catch 20 keepers today and go out and catch one fish tomorrow that's just part of the fall transition if you've watched the the elite series guys today on Jonesville, it's the same thing you know one guy 
said, man, I caught 15 keepers yesterday and left them biting. And then he had one fish at two o'clock today. So crazy. that's just part of it this time of year. Yeah. They just really, they get to fall on that bait and get keyed on on it. And you just kind of got to juke and jive with them and figure out, you know, where that school moves to today. I see it. I see it. Well, man, or if somebody, Nathan, before we get off of here with you, man, we appreciate your time. But before we jump off, if somebody wants to come up there and do a trip with you, whether it's whether it's artificial or whether it's live bait fishing with these for these smallmouth that's turn, about to turn on, what how they how they contact you? Uh, they can go on my website, Tennessee River Bass Guides. That's plural dot com, or you can give me a call two five six four three six nine six zero four that's the two best ways to reach me or you can find me on uh instagram or facebook nathan martin fishing uh shoot me a dm and i'll see that a lot more than my my emails i get so many emails for Seaclair power i can, sometimes i miss emails on on my nathan martin fishing so just shoot me a direct message on social media or call me we'll get you booked up well, that sounds good, man. Well, we appreciate you jumping on and sharing information with us about what's going on in the Tennessee River. And as always, man, stay safe out there, and we look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. All right. Thank you all. Thanks, Thanks a man. lot, man. Good stuff. Right. I always love that Gunnersville report, man. I mean, you never know what you're going to get week to week. That was a Pickwick report. I mean, a Pickwick. That's yeah, Pickwick. That's I'm sorry. Right. Not going yeah. for Pickwick. Don't be disrespecting the man like that. No, no, no. I know it's, <laughs> I know it's special to you. Well, hey, you let's got nothing on Pickwick. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I hear you. Good stuff. Well, man, let's uh, let's go further south, man. Let's go down there to Ufala with the crappie king himself, Tony Adams. Tony, what's good going afternoon. on, man? Man, not a lot. What about y'all? Y'all having a good day? Man, we're giving it all we got. All we got. <laughs> Waiting on that weekend, brother. Not that it's going to get any easier then because it ain't going to slow down. Not with all my Just crap. right around the corner, man. That's Thursday right. is just right around the corner. That's right. That's right, man. Well, we appreciate you jumping on, brother. You've been doing good. Yes, sir. What about y'all? And it's just it's hanging in. We're loving the weather. I yes, know that. sir. Yeah, we're not getting all that rain like we was getting, which is a good thing. Man, how much y'all get? How much did y'all get on with the storm? You know, different areas got different. The most I heard was fourteen inches. That's a lot. A lot of rain, a lot of rain. And luck, luckily, you know, they had the water pulled down, you know, to do some work, you know, down at the dam, which, you know, they pulled it down a little over three feet. Mm. But if, if that water wasn't pulled down, we'd had a lot more flooding than what we what we did have. We had some, but, you know, it was mainly on up in the creeks where the water just couldn't run off fast enough into the lake to, you know, to fill it up. But <clears throat> 14 inches of rain is a lot of rain. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Ain't no doubt about it. Well, how did it affect the fish? I mean, we um, all know. I saw pictures. You sent me pictures, so I know you, <laughs> you definitely own them. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't fish the week of the storm. I fished the day before the storm did really well. And then, you know, after the storm came through, it was probably about four days before I started picking up track again. And, you know, the lake was muddy, but, you know, you just fish with your darker color jigs and jig heads and, you know, really don't have a whole lot of effect on them. This week's really been good. You know, the, the fish went with these cooler nights. All right, let me, stop, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. <laughs> Y'all don't know this, but he sent us a picture. <laughs> uh, I was just showing, I was just just showing, showing Steve the picture. The picture. So, uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. 
how so now there's the magic in the camera and the angle or those things are giants what size what size of the fish in that picture probably the bigger ones is probably two two and a quarter pounds he has in this picture guys he has a whole table full of giant crappie yes yeah you can't put another one on a tailgate i mean <laughs> unbelievable he probably got some in that cooler next to it you he couldn't make room eat those and not even you not even get close to a bone i mean the meat just so thick wow that's that's you're, pretty amazing uh to to see a tailgate of crappie with that big man that i mean yeah and this is like this ain't just one day i mean these are these are th- different days different pictures that's impressive okay okay so anyway. you can dive back in i could i just got my my world rocked right there i shouldn't have shown him he i leaned over here and showed me this picture it's my but, fault. all right so crazy right before the storm took some time to get settled back in after the storm you, you were in the yep. middle of telling us about how, how you were approaching it yeah you know after the storm after the rain you know it was really muddy. There's a lot of trash. There was a lot of trees, a lot of debris floating out in the lake. So, you know, I, I didn't fish for probably about four days after, after the rain. And then I started fishing again. The lake was really muddy, but you know, usually in muddy water, I fish with my darker color jigs, you know, my blacks or my oranges or my pinks. And they was really doing good. Minutes was a little slow then, but you know, the jigs, you know, they didn't miss a beat. And then, you know, the last week to 10 days, you know, I've been fishing mainly my flats or my ledges, and and they're on fire. I mean, they're really just you can't keep nothing down there on them. And then, and what I'm talking about flats is I'm talking about you know ten to fourteen foot borders. You know, fishing about you know six to ten foot deep. It's just as fast you can put you know a jig or a minnow down on them. You know, there's fish. I took a grief out. Oh, let's see. Today's Thursday. I took a group out Tuesday. Usually I call before they come and took, give them a weather report and tell them what the lake looks like. And uh, he told me, he said, he said, we want to come. I said, well, it's 11 mile an hour winds, 50% chance of rain. I said, you know, it's pretty rough conditions. He said, man, we've been waiting three months for this trip. He said, we want to come. I said, well, y'all come on. So we get up there to Lake Point and uh, they get out of the truck. One of the guys had shorts on and short sleeve shirt. I said, man, I said, it's pretty cool, pretty windy out there. And, you know, it can be some rain. I said, you didn't bring no long, long pants? He said, no. Nah. He said, I'm all right. He said, I'm tough. I said, okay. So we went out there and we started fishing. Rain started coming in. I said, listen, I said, I got some frog togs there in my boat. I said, why don't you put those pants on that, that jacket? And I said, you know, that breaks some of the wind and you won't get wet. And because I know you got to be cold in those shorts. He said, oh, yeah, man, I appreciate that. So he put those on and he had his dad with him. So I grabbed another pair and let him get some, you know, put him some on. And then it started raining so hard. I said, well, you know, I better get me a pair and put it on. So I put mine on and it rained. I mean, when we got a late start because the weather report showed that the rain was going to be more of a chance early that morning and kind of moving out about 10 o'clock. I reckon, you know, the fronts, you know, kind of slowed down. But we got out there at 10 o'clock and, you know, at 1130, I looked back at them because it was still raining. I said, what y'all want to do, guys? I said, when y'all get ready to go, let me know. And the guy in the back wore the shorts. He said, I'm ready. I said, okay, so let's go to the bank. So we got up there, and that's, I mean, we had 45 good good fish. You saw them on the tailgate. But, I mean, we wasn't out there but an hour and a half. I mean, that's a good day. In bad conditions. Well, in that condition, yeah. I mean, it, it was steady, you know, 11-mile-an-hour winds and, 
you know, drizzling or, or raining. And, and it's pretty tough when you, mm. you know, I, you know, I, I can fish in the rain and that's fine, but that wind is, makes it tough. You know, when, it you know, the boat's going up and down, up and down, up and down. And, you know, you're trying to fish and, you know, Crafty's trying to chase the bait, you know, based on the wakes. But I mean, but you know, every day is just, I mean, they're, they're just on fire right here on Lake Ufala right now. Man, that is, that's phenomenal. You know, I was, uh, you, the last time we had you on, we, we were talking about, you know, summertime patterns and, and, and how you were able to catch these fish. And one of the, you, you mentioned a, a lure called a, uh, I think it's a moon jig. Is that right? Moon, moon jig. jig. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, my dad listened to the, to the podcast and, up, you know, he's in North Louisiana. And he was like, where, where, where can I get me some of them moon jigs? I said, well, daddy, just, just Google it. And he's like, well, I don't have Google on my phone. I'm like, yeah, you do. I promise. So I walked him through that part of it. And he's like, well, what do I, all right. All right. Well, I, 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 I got them. I'm looked them up. I see them now. Now where I go get them. And I'm like, well, you can order them right from there, dad. <laughs> so I had, this was, now let me tell you, this was, and I'm, I'm on, he's going to listen to this report. So I'm going to talk bad about him, even though I know him, he's going to, he's gonna listen this was probably a two-hour process where at the end of it i said daddy you know what i'm gonna order them and i'll just send them to you he said all right that'll work but he's got him some of those moon jigs and uh and he's looking forward to trying them but thought well, i'd share that let's, Man, let's that moon jig you can ahead. just drop that down in the structure with a with a minnow on it and that minnow sits there and swims and it twitches twitches that jig Oh, they can't stand it. They'll just eat it up. Man. Well, I had another question, but I'm going to jump on that okay. that before I forget. So, because I've <laughs> always wondered. So, when you're fishing a jig with a minna, how do you hook the minna to keep it alive the longest so that it is moving and, and creating mm-hmm. action? What's your strategy on hook, tipping your jigs with minnas to keep your minnas alive the longest? The the best way I you know, and I reckon. You know, my granddad, you know, his granddad's probably told him the way, but I hook it right through the bottom lip, out through like the forehead, mm-hmm. you know, through the through the bottom lip, through the top lip, and that jig, I mean, that minna just stays live so much more than, mm-hmm. you know, trying to do it in the tail or the dorsal fin or, <clears throat> and you get a lot more action out of them, you know, I mean, it's because you're not hooking back towards the body, I mean, you're hooking up towards, you know, the mouth and, and that gives all the the back part the the twitches and the in the swimming motions. Does the jig just add some add some color? Is that what you're adding basically by instead of just instead of just and I guess it it's weight it gets it down there where it needs to be. So I guess that's a big part of it. But well, well what's the advantage the of using that instead of using just a just a minute? Well, usually the moon jig is you know most of those are you can get them solid colors. Or you can get them, you know, two tones, like a yellow, green, you know, red, white, you know, you can get them with a the little sparkles. Well, with that jig, that minna swimming, it twitches that, that jig so that it's turning, it, it's twitching. So you're getting two different colors sitting there with that minna, you know, twitching and swimming in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're getting, you're getting motion out of these minna and you're also getting motion out of your, your jig, you know, with it, with it twitching. Now, usually if I'm using just a regular jig, um, you know, if it's Big Bites or Bobby Garland or whoever, then, you know, most of the time I've just got, you know, a jig on with jig head. You know, I, I, most of the time I, I don't 
have a minna on those, but the moon jigs, ice jigs, you know, I usually do tip it with a minna. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Looks like that's what kind of glorified jig. The moon jig is is an ice. It looks like a jig that they do use ice fishing. Is that is that really what it is? And you just kind of it, discovered how it, it is. It it's is. A, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a ice fishing jig. You know, a lot of people call it the you know ice jigs, um, moon jigs. But you know where it was really started was you know from you know people that ice fish. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to this flats you was describing and, and, and help us visualize and understand and approach because, you know, I, I bass fish competitively for many, many, many years. And, and but often, man, when people start tell, explaining, ta- you know, tackling flat, it's not always as easy as it sounds. Right. And so dig a little bit deeper for us in, you know, how what are you looking for on these flats? And I know you described uh you know, a 10 to 14 foot fishing in six to eight foot. But, you know, tell us more about how, how are you approaching these flats and what's on them? What are you looking for on your graphs? How do we, how do we hone that in uh, fishing these flats? Well, what I really like to do when I start looking on flats is I like to look for, for ditches. You know, that could be, you know, a little ditch that runs, you know, through the flat, or it could be a little deeper pocket than, you know, maybe, maybe the whole thing's not, you know 12 foot across maybe it's it's eight foot and it's got a little 10 foot or 12 foot ditch you know a little ditch that's in it and usually that's where your structure is going you know as it's you know bouncing down the the lake that's usually where it bounces and lodges up so that's usually where your structure is going to be and then you know really you know i take my you know and i've got a hummingbird who swells what i've got and i turn it on side imaging and you know i'll run those ditches and you know i'll mark that structure you know if it's on the right hand side of the boat left hand side of the boat you know is it christmas trees or is it bamboo or is it you know natural timber that's you know just kind of washed washed there in the ditch and got hung up and catch fish on on all of it and you know then after i I find the structure then you know i'll shoot the down image and then you know look for look for my fish and then after i find the fish you know i just ride over and i throw my my orange buoy out and then i'll i never drop anchor I always you know take the trolling motor and i'll i'll jump up around you know the structure because on overcast days you know those crappy could be you know 20 feet away from that structure i mean you know or they could be 30 feet away from the structure or they could be just on a on when the sun comes up and it gets really bright they're closer to the structure but when it's overcast you know, they could be around the structure. You know, they're not, they're not, just not all gathered in, in the structure, but you can, you can see it on your side image and mark it, you know, right over it, you know, shoot you down image and, and you can tell more about, you know, what that structure is really like and the amount of fish that's on it. So talking about structure, I, I know that what I understand, you put out a lot of structure, right? I do. Yes, sir. I put out a lot of Christmas trees, put out a lot of bamboo. I put out crepe myrtles. I used to do a lot of those PVC, you know, the bill dance PVC balls and they, they will produce fish. But to me, it, I'd rather have something that's wood, you know, like the bamboo or the Christmas trees or the, so Little like the bamboo, or, what are you, what are you doing with that? I mean, what, do you, how are you creating structure well, with bamboo? Well, what I, what I do is I go out and I cut my bamboo and I set, I, I set it on the trailer, you know, and I let it dry. Best thing to do, you do that, make sure that you 
probably don't want to put it in your yard. You know, if you're living in a community that, you know, people's going to complain about bamboo leaves going all over the yard. So I, I cut them down. I take them to the hunting land. I stack them up and I let them dry. How long? Summertime, how long they'll dry. Well, you, what I do is I like to do half of the water column. If it's 16 foot bamboo, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and cut the bamboo level with the ground. And then what I'll do is I'll make two different piles. So, you know, I may make one 10, you know, the top part of the 16 foot being 10 and the bottom, you know, being the six. So I'll make, I'll make one pile of bamboo, you know, six foot long and the other one maybe 10 foot long. So then after it dries off, then I'll get a five gallon bucket and I'll fill it two thirds of the way full of water and I'll pour me a 60 pound bag of concrete in it. Then I take my bamboo and I start just sticking it in the bucket, you know, at different angles. Then I let it dry for about five days. Five days is usually, you know, a good time that, you know, it will dry. And then you can go out to the lake. Now, I will sink those in a area that's, you know, one, safe, you know, not where a lot of people's, you know, tubing or skiing or, you know, then I'll do half the distance of the water column. So if the water is 20 foot deep, I'll do 10 foot bamboos and I'll sink them so that the top of the bamboo comes up 10 feet. That's half the distance of the water column, which was 20. So if I've got six foot tall bamboos, I'll put that in 12 foot of water and the bamboo will come up six foot, which is half, half the distance of the water column. How many bamboo shoots will you have in one bucket? Well, it's all depending on what size the bamboo it is. I try to mix it. If you use too many of the bigger bamboos, the way a bamboo's made, it's got air pockets in between the, call them the rings. Right. Mm-hmm. So so if you throw it in and you've got, you know, a real big bamboo, it's got air pockets so it can float your cement off. So the real big diameter bamboo, I won't use, but maybe two or three, four at the most. And then I'll use a smaller bamboo, you know, for fillers. Mm-hmm. Now, bamboo that I've, I've fished on, you know, the last six years, I've got some bamboo that's still there that's four years, you know, that I've been fishing on them for four years. The Christmas trees seem like I get about a year and a half, no more than two years out of them, and they're pretty much gone. If you try to do bamboo on ledges, if you get a lot of rain like we've just had, a lot of those will get pushed off or pushed into the channel, and, you know, next thing you know, they're in 40, 60 foot, foot waters. So I usually try to find, you know, off the main lake, I find find those those pockets or, or you know, the deeper water that kind of runs up in those flats, and you know, I'll load load those up with bamboo. So, do you when you deploy them, you just drop them, or do you lower them down to, to make sure they don't flip over on their sides? Or, or no, due due to the air pockets of the of the bamboo, all you can do you can just take them and pitch them out, and they'll stand straight up as pretty as you ever seen. That's awesome. Mm. I mean, I'm visualizing. Me too. Right I, was, now, I was thinking the same thing. I had the same question yeah. that you just asked. I'm thinking about my 10 year old, like thinking right. it was absolutely mesmerizing to do this. He would love to make them, go, you know, go, he, yeah, would, he, he would get into that. Out of, uh, yeah, he would get into that. The ultimate thing would be he cut the bamboo, yeah. he dry the bamboo, he get the bucket, he get the concrete, he make it, he put it out. He catch the fish, he cleaned the fish, he cooked the fish and ate the fish. Yes. He would change. I mean, that, that, that is how my son thinks. Yes. Yeah. yeah That's right. how he would want to approach the situation. So, and believe it or not, you know, those bamboo, they really do work good. I mean, you know, somebody wanted to make some natural timber, you know, different lakes requires different things as far as getting permits, mm-hmm. you know, so based on what lake it is, 
you know, you may want to check the permits and find out, you know, here on Lake you fall, you have to get permits. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, a lot of, so many people don't do it because they just think in Christmas trees, bass fishermen, you know, the permit's free. Usually when you do it through the core, they want the coordinates, mm-hmm. you know, but I try not to do anything that's going to have any effect on recreation, you know, where people skis, tubes, because, you know, one thing I don't want somebody to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, you know, if you've got a 10 foot bamboo and it's 20 foot of water, you know, even if you're skiing or tubing, I mean, your chances of going 10 foot deep hitting it, you know, pretty slim. Oh, yeah. They slam the mud. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, and somebody that's tubing in, in you know, eight, 10 foot of water, you know, if you've got little three foot bamboos, they're more likely to get hurt on a stump more so than, you know, a little piece of bamboo sitting up there. Man, that's, uh, that's exciting, man. So do, uh, this is random, but I'm kind of a bass fisherman at heart. Do the, do the bass like to get in those bamboo or is it really, really just a crop? Believe, believe, believe it or not, most of the bass fishermen, there's one or two that, that fishes some of the bamboo and he says he's had, has, has good luck, but most of the bass fishermen don't like the bamboo, hmm. you know, cause the crappy is more in the tops of the bamboo, you know, it's, you know, and, and most bass fishermen like fish natural stuff, something that's laying over or laying down hmm. flat on the floor of the lake and not so, so much something that's sticking up. Yeah. So basically what you're saying to all the, to the bass fishermen listening is stay away from your bamboo. <laughs> Leave my bamboo alone. That was, a, that was a nice way of saying stay away from right. my bamboo. Uh, but you know, right. not two years ago, there was a guy down here bass fishing. I, I, I couldn't even tell you his name, but I had two holes pretty close and I was over catching some crappy. And you know, I noticed he was fishing pretty close to where my bamboo was. And I mean, he made three, three throws just back to back and pulled three bass out of it. And I cranked up and I started, you know, kind of not going to him but kind of around him and he weighed me down he said uh he said you got some more bamboo over there and i said yes sir he said well i just caught some nice fish on this bamboo and this was like in march and i said i said yes sir i said i got some over there he said well i'm finished with this spot he said he said i feared it must have been your bamboo i said he said because you kept looking at me I said, <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. Fine. who's on there that's yeah. great. That's you know, but well, you know, like I, I say some some people love them, some people don't. But most bass fishermen don't here down here don't really like the bamboo. I yeah. like that bamboo idea, and, and and you know I've heard of people driving, you know, using PVC pipe and things like that. You know, we had one guy, somebody was on here telling us about driving them down in the ground. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, oh, was Brad. No, that's no, uh, who was that's that? old Don on the Alabama River. That's Joe. Okay, Joe Don on the Alabama yeah. River. Yeah. So I did those bed, bed stakes, but it mm-hmm. just takes so much time, you know. I mean, go out and drive them and get, get you a piece of PVC pipe and drive them down. You can do it with a bamboo, too, or, or you know, one but two stakes. Or How do you, you know, drive it far enough below the water? Well, That's what I can't, when, in my mind, figure out. Well, when I, was, when I was doing it, I was doing stake beds, and I was doing it in six foot of water. So what I would do is I'd cut me a piece of two-inch PVC pipe, and I'd cut it, you know, about three foot tall. And then I'd put my my bushings at the top to reduce it down to a three quarter inch PVC pipe. And then I cut me a piece of wooden piece of wood plywood to go in the two inch PVC pipe, you know, go into it. So it would be like a hammer. So you'd slide your bamboo into the two inch and you'd take your three quarter inch pipe on the side of the boat and you'd just drive it in. 
Makes sense. And you, you, and you just do a driver. And then there's a lot of people when the, when the lake gets three, four, five foot da- down, they'll they'll wait out there two or three feet, and you know, with just a you know sledgehammer and some bamboo and drive it so it's flush with the water. And then when the water comes back up the other three or four foot, you know, there you go. It's you know three or four foot up on. Well, the it water. sounds like a whole lot of work. So the moral of the story is, it's better just to call you and go fishing <laughs> with. It. That's right. That's yeah. that's moral story. Yes, that's sir. the moral story. And if you guys saw the picture that I saw at the beginning of this segment, yeah, you would call him too. You'd be calling. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if they do want to call you, man, we we uh, how how do people need to get up with you? Well, there's many ways. The best way is you know they can call me on my cell three three four six nine five three zero zero three. That's um. Uh, three three four six nine five three zero zero three or you can contact me through facebook you know it's tony adams or you can also go to go and fishing with tony and send me a message and i'll i'll get back with you know with you and we'll set up a trip man that's, and it may take a while because you stay pretty booked up but so people don't uh don't don't hesitate on this <laughs> and if yeah he, uh, if he tells you it's to bring kind of a little crazy Go ahead. Bring a big cooler. Bring a big cooler. Bring a big cooler. And if he tells you to bring a rain suit and a sweatshirt, you need to do it. That's right. (laughs) Not that you're going to be out there long. Yeah. Don't bring that little, don't bring that little, that little 50 class Yeti. You can need to bring that 110 class uh, Yeti. He said bring a big cooler. He didn't say bring Bring a a big cooler. He said bring a big one. That's right. That's good stuff, man. That's awesome. That's good stuff. Well, buddy. As always, we appreciate you. But, hey, we got another caller on the line. Anyway, we got Clayton Bass from also from Ufala, just like our last caller. What's going on, brother? Oh, no, bud. Head home from the lake right now. Well, I, I was told by Tony, oh, the, 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 the crappie master of the universe, I was told to tell you to stay off of his cane poles. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> so... No, uh, Clayton, we actually still have Tony on. <laughs> we, uh, we were talking about, about cane poles and bass fishermen, and uh, we thought it would be funny. But, I, Tony, I, I don't know if, if, if you care or not, but uh, if I was you, I'd keep, I'd keep them off. You don't off tell Clayton. Where Clayton's already found them. He's an electronics guru, so uh, he already knows where them cane poles crappie beds are at. Clay, Clayton's an electronic guru that fishes in one foot of water. That's right. Yeah, I've been telling him he ought to give me some of those coordinates. I know there's crappy on them. There's bass on them. That's right. There's a couple. Uh, no, we, we 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 had a good segment with Tony Clayton, and uh, he he's catching some straight up studs and in the crappie world. He's always catching them. He is, man. And uh, we uh, we thought it'd be silly to bring you on at the scene. Uh, Tony, thanks for your time, man, and. Uh, uh, Keep at it, man. Look forward to getting down there with you one day. All right. Give me a holler. We'll sure get off and go. All right. All right. Clayton, man, what is going on, dude? Oh, not much. Just got done on the water today, headed back home. About to start getting ready for uh, deer season to come back. Just come in. Uh, been bow hunting a little bit and kind of taking a break from fishing just a little bit. Not on the water every day, but probably every three or four days now. Now we know you spend a lot of time around the country traveling competitively, but you have you been on you follow today fishing? Yeah, I've been on you follow today. Yes. Well, tell us tell us what the old uh, old bucket mouse doing on on Lake You Follow right now. 
right now you can go out there and catch a bunch of big fish. They're kind of hard to come by right now. Fishing some of Tony's uh, <laughs> timber yeah. and piles like that's your, <laughs> your best way to catch them. Uh, bigger fish, smaller fish. I mean, you can get out there and throw a Jinko rip knocker or CD15 on some of those rocky hard spots. I mean, you're liable to catch 50, 60 a day, but it's fun, but they're not the right size. You know, and most of the time this time of year, you'll get out there and you'll catch a bunch of those little ones. And the bigger fish, they'll mix in with those and they'll be like a little group of big ones off to the side of those that you can get on. I've just been struggling to find that little group of big ones that normally gets around with those fish. That's interesting. So tell me about that. <clears throat> One, how did you discover that? And then how, how do you actually approach that to see if if that is actually the case in any given situation? So, you know, if you find, you know, a brush pile or you find a, you know, a, a nice shell bed or a drop and you're catching little ones. I mean, how do, how do you, how do you approach that? Hey, there may be some big ones hanging off to the side. Big fish, they don't like to compete with all those little ones. I mean, you have a bunch of, Kind of, I mean, you think about it, humans or any other kind of animal out there, they don't want to have to work that hard to compete with little guys. Like, kind of like you going to eat, you don't want to compete with a bunch of teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'll kind of, even like when they get in schools, you know, off from that 20, 25 foot stuff, they'll do the, the same thing. They'll get in that school when they first get out there, and then they'll, the bigger fish, they'll slide back over and they'll make their own school. And it might be a big school of, you know, 30, 40 fish, and then your big school might have eight. But that's the ones you want to catch. It's the same thing shallow on those uh, rocky bars, hard spots, except you can't really grab them. you got a fish full. So where you're catching those little ones at, it might be a turn, a little bend or something. You might want to just slide down, you know, 30, 40 yards, and you'll start catching a little bit better fish. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, they've always said, you know, and you've heard this, that, you know, big fish like to hang together. If you catch a five-pounder, you man, I'd keep fishing. There might be another one. But but this idea of making because because often and I know I've been guilty of this you know you're in a school of fish and you're you're catching little ones and you just you know you're like oh, I gotta go find a bigger fish you just pick up and you run down the river right. and this is the this is a great thought process and maybe something to for you guys to think about is you know what Clayton's saying is is you know maybe you don't need to pull up and run down the river maybe you just need to get on the trolling motor for thirty forty fifty yards. And, and keep fishing and try to expand that area to, to find maybe that secondary school, which is probably going to be bigger fish. Uh, very. Sometimes, sometimes on those flats and ledges, too, I mean, it can be a bait change. And a lot of times, I mean, you hear people talk about community holes, community hole that. And those community holes became a community hole for a reason. They hold fish. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily saying those community holes are to always hold little fish. Sometimes, I mean, it's just a bait change or on a ledge. It might be an angle change where you're hitting it in the right direction where those bigger fish like to feed in that direction. That's right, man. That's, I mean, that's a great thought to have. So, you know, this, this time of year, you know, in, in that approach, you're saying there's a, there's a lot of not the bigger bites hard to find. Obviously, you know, we just talked about it with Tony on, uh, on, on crappie, the, Eufaula was pulled down for construction, but obviously the storm came in, a lot of water came in. You know, where are you at in your transition, water stability, and, and, and really how are you honing in on what fish you are catching? 
Yeah, I'm sure Tony hit on it a little bit. That lake, they brought it down to 185. It was like 185.2, 185.4. And then when the hurricane hit, it went up four feet. And now it's down to 185 again. So, I mean, there was an eight foot, if you look at it going up and down, there was an eight foot fluctuation pretty quick. Yeah. But those fish, they moved up without water. You fall is real bad. And, man, it's fun when they get on it. And they stabilize, but those fish move up really, really fast at Eufaula. Because once you come out of the main river on Eufaula, Eufaula is a fairly flat lake. I mean, there's a bunch of flats on it, uh, secondary ledges. When that water comes up, those fish, they fly up. I mean, they'll get up there in the grass, the bushes, and all that kind of stuff. But then when it comes back down is when it gets kind of tricky. And that's what happened real fast. Now they're kind of on that first break. They're not going all the way out to the ledges because the water color is not right. They can't see out there. I mean, it's real muddy. Mm-hmm. So they're on that first little break, but they're they're kind of spread out right now a little bit more than what I'd like. So is there any is there any kind of uh, particular baits that you really are honing in on to either both sides of the spectrum, either to get a lot of bites uh, or to, to even get bigger bites? Because so, a lot of times that's two different approaches. So what's shining right now from a bait choice standpoint it is this time of year to me like everybody knows it's all about baiting it's all about the shad that's just that's what they're on right now i like to throw something moving a trap you know a jinko cd 15 cd 20 something i mean it might not be six or eight foot but i'm gonna throw those bigger baits on that kind of stuff and grind it through those rocks and just try to create a reaction strike and a lot of times like we had it today a lot of times when you get a bite, you need to put, I mean, it's, some of this stuff's real shallow. You need to put the poles down or you need to hit spot lock. You need to be able to sit there and hit that place multiple times. Because most of the time when you catch one right now, you're going to sit there and you're going to catch 10 or 15. Now, maybe they might be 12 inches. They might be three pounders. It just, it's hit or miss right now. Yeah. As far as the bigger fish, I was talking about Tony's brush. The bigger fish are out there. I mean, And I'm not talking about the timber that's out there in 20, 25 feet. I'm talking about the timber that's in that 10 or 12 foot range, that first break. That's where the bigger ones are at right now. And you can catch those on that same bait, the CD 15, CD 20, and also a big spinner bait. That, that's good stuff. I like a spinner bait. Bite, I know man. you like a spinner bait. All right. So, what is, what is Ufala going to do as we transition into the fall? What has history said? You know, what does it look like? And, obviously is the water being down going to be a major player and it looking different than it has in the past as, as we go deeper into the cooler months? It will. I mean, I can't remember the lake being like this ever. I mean, I've never fished it to stay in this long at 185. Mm-hmm. They're talking about, you know, January before it comes up. As far as the fishing goes, I don't think it's going to hurt it. I think the lake's going to get better as it gets clear. That's the main thing is the water color right now. If it was clear right now, they'd be out there in that 20, 25-foot stuff, and it wouldn't affect them one bit. As far as the navigation to get around, that's what it's affecting more than anything. Mm -hmm. Now, for a guy who wants to come fish the fall bite there and knowing about that navigation, I mean, is it safe to say if if you'll just stay in the – in the creek channels he's good or or even even the creek channels can you know be challenging at this point the river channel you're fine you can run the river channel all the way down the whole lake but the main places you want to look for 
Patala Creek is not bad, but if you want to run into Chinahatchee, Sandy, Bagby, any of the creek arms down that way, there are uh, tree shelters out there in that 20 foot of water in the like the actual creek channel that goes in there. Mm-hmm. So, but you can see them sticking out of the water. So when you start seeing those sticking out of the water, back off, idle in there, and take your time. Yeah. If you actually stay up in that six and eight foot stuff, sounds totally opposite of what it should be. Mm-hmm. If you stay up on top of the flats going around that, you're better off than running through those creek channels on those creek shelters. All right, we we lost you there for a second, but I think you were saying it's in those creeks. It's actually potentially better off staying on the flats because there's not a lot of junk out there. And, you know, tall trees still standing like in the creek channels, and so right. Good, good, good yeah. deal. So look, we know you're about to transition into deer hunting, and I don't blame you. No, can can, can a guy still reach out to you and, and call you to take him fishing? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yep, I took a little break just because when Sally came through, it kind of uh, messed up lakes, and I was more worried about the floating stuff than mm-hmm. the stuff sticking up. Um, but most definitely, be sure to give me a call, 334-310-8338, or just look me up online, lakeufollowfishingguide.com. Well, and, and before we go, you know, uh, guys, definitely call Clayton if you want to go to Ufala and, and, and catch bass. But I was on the phone with him a little earlier today, Stephen, and and y'all don't forget, there's not many people that do this, but I just had a guy from Birmingham bought a boat and put electronics on it, didn't know really how to use them, just getting back into fishing, kind of like, you know, grew up with no electronics, and now he's getting back into it. So he went down, he told me, he said, man, I, I went down to Eufaula with this guy that that uh you know taught me how to use my electronics and i'm like i better and, and come to find out he did go with with clayton <laughs> and awesome. uh so I'm, I'm sorry you had to endure him for a few hours there uh-huh. he's not a real pretty fella so it was probably probably uh-huh. probably tra- traumatic on you we won't share his name <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, i won't michael i won't let him know it's you but yeah. no uh but yeah y'all don't forget that man Be- because this is uh clayton knows his electronics and he knows how to use them and so many people go get nice boats and nice electronics and they really don't utilize them and get the most out of them that they can so well worth the time to have a have a day or a couple hours on the lake with with clayton to to learn your electronics yeah i'll go um i'll go my boat your boat Either way, most of the time, like on a four-hour trip, we can get everything done in four hours. <laughs> I go through everything on settings, the showing you what fish look like, um, how I do my waypoint system, which is really important to me. And it's one thing that most people overlook is a waypoint system from, like if you leave Eufaula and you go to Gunnersville or Lay Lake or anywhere like that, I mean, I got a system where I pull up and I look at waypoints. I know exactly what I'm looking at. And I might not have been on the lake in four years, but I still know I can look at my waypoints and I don't have to label anything or type anything by just color coding different things. I know exactly what I'm pulling up fish. That's, that's awesome. great. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, Clayton, man, we appreciate you as always, buddy. Stay safe and uh, keep catching them, man, and good luck in the tree stand. Look forward to talking to you again soon. I appreciate it. Y'all too. All Thanks, right, man. man. Thank you. Always good to hear from Clayton down there in Ufala, man. Had yeah. two, got two great. 
two guys in follow with a lot of knowledge. So, I mean, if you're in that area and you want to bass fish or crappie fish, these guys know what they're doing. Absolutely, man. And and, and I, I have fished Ufala several times, fished a couple tournaments down there. I love it. It's got a little bit of everything. Uh, it just so happened to work out that we dug a little bit deeper in there today. And I, But I love Tony's approach with the cane pole, brush piles, and, and seems like, you know, pretty doable from a, you know, DIY situation and maybe a fun project for you and your son. That's to, what I was going to say, man. To, a great project. To do and, and so, absolutely, man. Good show. Good show, man. All right, folks, that's going to be a wrap for this week. Please subscribe, rate, and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email you the podcast, just text fishing to 646 495 9867. Again, just text us. We'll send you this. Hey, this is a new feature, guys. Y'all need to be excited about this. Just text us the word fishing to 646-495-9867, and that will subscribe you, and we'll send you the email with the uh, new show each and every week. That's a wrap, guys. We appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you next week. Stephen, have a good week, brother. We're going to give it all we got. See you. See you. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and, and give Norman a call. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.